Blog Talk Radio. Yo, this is your boy, G-Ski Rocks. And this is going out to the lovely, lovely women of the world. I know sometimes you have to make a hard decision. But I want you to think about this. Wong. I am your host today. I am on the air with my good friend, Melissa. How are you today? I am, yeah, I'm good. I am, uh, yeah, it's been a, a long week, a crazy week, but I'm here. Praise God. Yes. <laughs> I, yes, um, crazy is a nice way to put it, I guess. Uh, you have experienced some, some loss in your life this week, and I'm so sorry yeah. to hear that. And But you are a trooper. You're here with us. And that's amazing. <laughs> Wouldn't have it any other way. This is this oh, is um, this is my, this is my therapy. <laughs> oh, I thank Jesus for you. You are you are such a strong, strong woman in Christ. That is, uh, I, I I am uh, I'm in continual awe and wonder at how you do what you do. Um, yeah. <laughs> Likewise, sister, you um you are you're a trooper and. 
hey, we're in this fight together for the Lord, so, you know? Amen. Let's, Amen. let's do it. Amen. <laughs> and so, you know, we cling to life. We cling to uh, the Lord of life, and that's why our verse that caps all of our shows is Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, which says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live. Let's say a word of prayer. Oh, Lord God Almighty in heaven, Mm -hmm. uh, you have brought us through thick and thin and Lord, if we just knew what was happening tomorrow, we wouldn't get out of bed in the morning. But we pray Mm. for the eternal strength that comes from you and you alone. And through the blood of your son, Jesus Christ, Lord, we claim victory to get up out of bed and to see the day through um, for your glory in your strength and to help others to know uh, the grace and mercy through the cross of Jesus Christ. And we just want to proclaim that life is precious, created by you. We ought to respect it and mm-hmm. give it um, all the chance of being fruitful um, that that you have intended for us to respect on here on earth, Lord. So um, I just want to ask you to bless the time together and our guests coming up. Thank you for everything that you've given us and um, just help and comfort us through those difficult times. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. And uh, we have Thomas lurking in the background. He is technically at work right now, so he's listening in. I'm going to say, hello, Thomas. And uh, I know he's listening. He's stalking us today. But you know what? The silent stalker is the best kind of stalker. <laughs> no, no, we love you. We love you. We love you. Okay, so um, there's a lot that I uh, wanted to talk about today, just chock full of things. First and foremost, um, what we never get to talk about a lot is how kind of to tie in, to tie in with some of the things that we've been talking about uh, last week. Mm-hmm. And uh, let me ch- what, what bag of tricks should I p- pull stories from? Okay, all right. Um, we have this huge, and we've mentioned this before. Um, the recent Baltimore riots, the Ferguson riots, everything together, put together. I, I'm not going to talk about those things today, but I'm using that as a springboard to say that a lot of people want to say stand up with the slogan "Black Lives Matter." I say, of course, black lives matter. Uh, They matter just as much as everybody else's lives. So we can also say all lives matter. Children's lives matter. Women's lives matter. Everyone's lives matter. Yes, even dead white males. Uh, Mm -hmm. And, but it, so the purpose of our program and what we're trying to say here is that we don't make exceptions to that. Yet we have, huge societal and cultural forces, which is the purpose of what we're talking about on this program, um, trying to make exceptions all the time. And Mm -hmm. hypocritically so, because these voices tend to be the same ones that will march out in public with the signs Black Lives Matter. And Mm -hmm. I just have a real sad, sad uh, story, an example. It doesn't even come from the United States. So, but as uh, as 
as a good friend of our shows, Jonathan Van Maren from the Canadian Center for Bioethical Research um, has mm-hmm. written today. He had, had written a, an article for Life News, and I'm not reading that. I'm just I'm just making mention of it uh, that abortion, um, pornography, sex trafficking, and abuse, sexual abuse, are are kind of those things that the West is now known for exporting and importing as a uh, yeah. as industrial thing. Um, we're not importing or exporting goods and services so much as all that. And, you know, I made a point that yeah, that's not unique. Actually, throughout the world, that is how people live. That is what is the most often traded thing in the world. That's, that's human capital, uh, yeah. bodies and people. And the the example I wanted to show today is uh, it's actually a couple of Spanish speaking videos. They were made in Chile, so I'm not going to play them, but I am going to um, read the subtitles, the translations. And what these are are their abortion tutorials made by women in Chile, so pro-abortion women, and they're teaching in Spanish-speaking women, because that's who understands them, how to commit abortions by harming themselves, because in Chile, abortion is outlawed. And there's only okay. one instance, there's only one instance where it's not prosecutable, which is if the, the baby dies accidentally due to an accident or something. So there's two videos that I want, that I watched today and it's a tutorial on how to throw yourself down the stairs if you are pregnant and cannot obtain an abortion. And the other one is how to have yeah. an accidental fall against some object and injure yourself with the intent to kill the child. It's appalling. But let me wow. read the subtitles because you're going to... I'm hearing the voice in my head. That's terrible. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And play for um, let me let me just read the subtitles because you're not going to believe me. Nobody's going to believe me unless I say this for real. And so this woman is filming herself, is recording herself walking up a flight of stairs in looks like an office building or an apartment complex, and she says, "Find a long and steep set of steps." Make sure there's no CCTV so that nobody can uh, watch you do this. Do this alone. Um, the only person you should, that should know about your whereabouts is, is one. You should only tell one person in case uh, you don't. If, if you knock yourself out, one person can come and check on you, but don't tell everybody. Uh, go all the way to the top and cover your face with both your hands. And and for some reason, in this video, this woman is wearing a GoPro or something. She's wearing the camera. And she actually throws herself down a series of steps to show how it's done. She just says, close your eyes, let yourself fall. And you see the camera tumbling, and she's tumbling. She actually throws herself down the stairs. And... That's the purpose of the video is to show other women, in case they're pregnant, how to throw themselves down the stairs to possibly 
and the life of their unborn baby. The next video. And that's empowering to women. Yes, supposedly. Okay, they hurt themselves. Okay. Yes. The other one okay. is no better. <laughs> Not much better. She says, okay, this, the next one, the woman goes to, uh, starts the video, and she says, okay, the first thing you need to do is buy yourself a very nice pair of high-heeled shoes. And I'm talking like four or five inches. And take a knife in from your kitchen and pry the heel off just a little bit. And then go take a walk down the street. About run toward it, have a slip and a fall, and fall into the fire hydrant stomach first. And the idea isn't just, I'm going to go out and have a terrible fall and uh, fall and run into a fire hydrant or any such object that might do the job. The, The whole aim of these videos is to conceal the fact that you're deliberately trying mm-hmm. to abort your baby and trying to make it look right. like an accident. Mm. It's bad enough that you would try to abort your baby, but to skirt the law. Um, right. The, yeah, and to be deceitful. The intent. Yes, the intent is to conceal what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's, again, that's empowering for women to be, yeah, okay. Right, right. Um, you know, I'm. I'm just... I, words fail me at the point of why would this video even why would these videos even exist except for the fact that I know and we have our experience with pro death individuals especially mm-hmm. here in the United States is that there are no there are no excuses that the pro death crowd will not express mm-hmm. they've all been they've all been falsified They've all been dealt with as being very poor reasons to kill your baby in utero before or after birth, but especially before birth. And yet they keep coming up with with this ground, even in a country that has outlawed abortion completely. The aim is uh, is abortion on demand no matter what Planned Parenthood. could it be? Could it be? Could it possibly be that there is actually a good reason for them to outlaw abortion? I mean, could that really be a possibility? I mean, oh no, it, no. I mean, we have to we have to express this narrative that abortion is man, no apology good. at all. No, no apology. And that's what it is: abortion on demand without apology. That kind of says right. it all. It says that abortion uh, should not be, there shouldn't need to be a reason. That's the thing. There shouldn't need to be a reason for abortion. And as much as, you know, it it renders unbelievable those TV talk show hosts that have said repeatedly, oh, a woman never has an abortion willy-nilly. Never a woman has, you know, just an abortion on a whim. It's a difficult decision between her and her doctor. That's right. Well, right. when you don't fill in when you don't fill in the reasons that are acceptable for abortion, they just want to swing the doors as wide open as possible. Essentially, they are saying even if a, a woman has an abortion on a whim mm-hmm. in the thirty sixth week of pregnancy, mm-hmm. 
that's really up to her and her doctor, and any reason is legitimate. When you won't say what an illegitimate reason is, all reasons become legitimate because that's essentially what they're saying. Right. And and I would like to say, I would like to ask our audience, isn't that appalling? And I know better because I've seen so many outrageous defenses of abortion that I know that it's not appalling. What's appalling to me has been talked out of being appalling for for at least those people who are making these videos, telling women to throw themselves downstairs or run into fire hydrants in order to commit abortion. Um, I don't know how the wisdom or the lack of wisdom has escaped these video makers that um, other than it's another form of manipulation. Look at what women are willing to do. Well, look at what we're willing to teach women and go through. Uh, we're, we're willing to hurt ourselves in mm-hmm. order to our unborn babies. Well, and they're how is that pro-empowerment and pro-woman to physically hurt yourself in a way, although we know we know that abortion does the same thing, it, it hurts women, but mm-hmm. how, how is that physically empowering to, to physically, I mean, intentionally harm your body by throwing yourself into a, a, a concrete object? Exactly. How is that really... Is that really empowering women? Is that really making women better? Is that really is that is that increasing our our, our quality of life in any way? No, and it it isn't. It how does that help? It doesn't help. You're right, um, and it actually makes women at risk for greater. I mean, I can't I can't see how a woman throwing herself herself down a, a flight of stairs is going to walk away unharmed uh, right. and not have huge consequences to that. What if she hits her head and she becomes exactly. brain damaged? And here, wonder of all wonders, what if she sustains an injury so terrible that she becomes brain damaged and needs needs a full-time care for the rest of her life? You know, oh, they're not going to put that. Yeah, they're not well, going to that. And 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 what about if her name happened to be Terry Shivo? Mm. But then this woman who is trying so hard to exercise some kind of bodily right, um, mm-hmm. lose ironically her bodily right to her own life, seeing as now she's dependent on some some man who wants to get rid of her. I. I don't see how women, humanity, human civilization at all wins with this promotion of abortion. You see, ladies and gentlemen, this is all hooked together. You start dismantling a basic human ethical point, uh, um, reference frame for human treatment regarding life as, first and foremost, inviolable and inalienable. And everybody starts losing the right to life. If you don't have a right to life, you don't have a right to have an abortion. If you don't have the right to life, you don't have a right to food, air, hydration, and the care of other people. 
You don't have that's, any of those rights. That's what I don't understand about this movement, the, the pro-abortion movement. The movement itself is arguing against the very people who are fighting for the movement, their right to life as well. Okay, and so okay. I don't understand. I, it, it's like... <laughs> It's like something. It's like a movement that has no foundation, no grounding, and no logic behind it. I don't understand it at all. It it doesn't follow. And in fact, what follows is the logic that we have been talking about. Uh, and particularly, mm-hmm. let me move to a different story. If you don't have the right to life, you don't have the right not to be sex trafficked, kidnapped, and forced to serve other people in a in a brothel or uh, you know, a sex dungeon. Yeah, after right. the earthquake in Nepal, um, the Daily Mail has an article that saying sex tr- human sex trade and human traffickers are flooding Nepal right now to kidnap mm-hmm. women, women who have been displaced. I'm not even talking about women. This is mostly children, girls. Oh my goodness! And after the after the earthquake, boys. Yes. And they have, they're being, what they're doing is going to Nepal to kidnap young girls, kidnap children, and it's not just girls, boys too, and vulnerable women, so that they can be sold to sex traffickers and in other countries. They can be sold to pimps and be prostituted out. They can even be, um, because of their dire circumstances, persuaded to become surrogates. Because, you know, if you offer them money and they have none um, in order to use their womb to give birth to children for, oh, say, gay couples in Israel, (laughs) they're likely to agree to that because they're desperate and they have nothing. Wow. And so I don't understand how, uh, especially those that are really strongly for women's rights, aren't strongly standing up and saying, you know, the sex trade business, the surrogacy business is not empowering to women. It doesn't protect women. It is part of the quote-unquote war on women, the real war on women. Mm. That's happening. But, which, you know, yeah, which, to which, protect which abortion. To, which, that war on women, which they have failed to define. <laughs> right. Um, but when we say a real war on women, I mean, it is not – you know, denying women health birth controls through their health insurance policy. Uh, no. That, you know, that is, it isn't, it, is, it doesn't come from people who go to Georgetown University as, uh, you know, career students and to complain about what they don't have in their health insurance policy. I'm, I want to know if any of these women in Nepal have health insurance. No, no, they don't. Right. They don't have they don't have access to basic antibiotics. Right. Uh, yet we have people that are working for the Gates Foundation, working for various humani- so-called humanitarian uh, foundations that think that the priority in any poverty-stricken country or disaster-stricken country is to reduce the reproductive potential of the women in the country. I'm sorry. I think they're more more uh, likely to suffer from cholera than they are to suffer from birth. Right. Right. It's po- it's population, population control, um, and it's just being 
it, it, they're being deceptive about it, and that's what Absolutely. it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, you know, I don't buy this business of, of – I have never – I mean, for many years now. I mean, I just want everybody to see the deception for what it is. We have liberals and Democrats, and I'm not afraid to say it, you know, liberals and Democrats um, and liberal Democrats <laughs> that want to control the human population, the size of the human population, control people, portion you to your little piece of life on earth as determined by them and right. and with it comes the lie that they're really just trying to help you when they're really just trying to enslave you and that i i think is that's a harsh reality but it is the base reality that very rarely gets talked about i mean we have lots of flowery words that talk all around mm-hmm. the subject but what is what is it when you when when the the world's elites try to tell the world's poor, looking down on them, <laughs> that you can only reach some a potential that we let you reach and no more. We're going to and yeah. in fact we're gonna control your life so that you never get any better than you are. Well the the problem is that women that we have become um we we have allowed ourselves to get um to 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 be manipulated by this movement and now we're the manipulators of the movement. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's like a no win situation here, um, because women are the victims and the aggressors in this movement of of in the pro abortion movement. And so yeah. it's there's you can't win because if you say anything, you're anti woman, but yet and still, um, as women, we have to really think about these issues and. Not let ourselves be used, and not let ourselves be used as um, as pundits and aggressors um, to to further an agenda that 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 has nothing to do with us, but is anti-woman, that is anti-freedom, that is anti-life in every way. I, I just I don't understand it. Exactly, and I feel so terrible because. So many issues get conflated um, here, especially here in the in the news. You just pick up a newspaper, or watch the news, um, or read a headline anywhere. Women's issues is conflated with racial issues, and reproductive reproductive issues is conflated with um, with with political issues, and it's very hard to put everything in perspective where, where each category needs to be and then attack the points where people are trying to confuse um, confuse others by saying, oh, you know, if you're against um, if you're against abortion then you're anti-women. Th- that's a great example. No. Exactly. <laughs> I don't accept exactly. the, that, that narrative. Yeah, we've got and, to think deeper and heart, yeah, deeper than that. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that is kind of the point of True Life Fridays Radio, uh, to give Absolutely. us the time to say, no, this is this is not how we look at the situation. We have a better way of looking at it and a, le- mm-hmm. a less deceptive and a less hypocritical way of looking at it. And and we need to be able. Uh, so so I w- want to encourage our listeners to be able to articulate that out in public. You're and yeah, I have no good news for most people. And get, the bad news is. <laughs> that it doesn't gain a lot of public acceptance, but 
human being and individual's acceptance one at a time. Good reasoning is always the best contagious, the most contagious in a good relationship. So how to talk to your friends about pro-life issues. You know, half the battle is how to talk to your friends at all about it in the first place, to even say the word abortion or to talk about racial issues. Um, <clears throat> thankfully, um, at today, I still attend a church that welcomes that type of talk um, in private. Mm-hmm. I wish it were a little bit more private, but I would echo that and say, hey, don't be afraid. As we know, uh, life is pretty short <laughs> on Earth, mm-hmm. and you know my 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 husband Conway's uncle passed away two weeks ago, I, um, mm-hmm. and it hasn't been a long time either. So I'm that location. Sorry to hear that. Oh, thank you very much. And and up to that point, he was he was he was sick for just a little while about less than a month. Um <clears throat> and we had we had thought about his family and prayed about his family and was were looking for the opportunities to say, hey, you know, this this side of our family does not know Christ. Does not know the power of salvation. Um and somehow we as family members who do need to communicate that in some way and you know I do have a sense a slice of regret that we weren't able to catch um to to catch that moment before his uh, uncle died to be able to communicate it, i mean we were separated by many thousands of miles between us and um not a lot of ability to communicate and so i think you know the urgency of hey you, we we never know how much time we have on earth <laughs> we don't it, you know i I mean, honestly, I um today is um my dad passed away eight years ago today. At, yeah, you know, fifty two years like old. It's just, is it? So much that this day has been really. There's a lot going on today. Yeah, <laughs> but you you don't know. You don't know. Life is so precious, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm I don't understand how we as Americans have reduced life to 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 meaninglessness, when it, it means so much. Because when you're gone and your family misses you, oh, it's, it, you feel that, you know? Yes. That's right. You know, and now we have, we have family members that are remaining that we are trying very hard to find opportunity to talk to them about it. And it's not easy. I'm not saying this is easy. But you're gonna wake up tomorrow and say, "Hey, I'm just gonna have a conversation," um, you know, and just and it not be awkward. Well, you know, it's never no, not gonna be awkward. Let me, let me not take that away. <laughs> it's never not gonna be no, awkward. Not, not easy conversations, for sure. Right, yeah. uh, and there's never that perfect time. But at the same time, you're gonna to have to swallow your uh, fear and let. You know, your love and care override your fear and uh, let that be your communicate. You know, the, the, what carries your communication is your great concern and your love for your family members and your friends um, over over the fear of them rejecting you. Yeah. 
Yeah, that, that's what it boils down to. Yeah. So um, I'm going to take a quick, quick break, and we will be back with our guest. He has an incredible story. His name is Frank Thomas. He's even written a book uh, detailing his his incredible journey so far in life, and he has a great story. I wanted him on the air for a very specific purpose that we're going to get to talk to about that right on the other side, and uh, we'll be right back. Hi, everybody. You're tuned to True Life Fridays with Letitia Wong and friends. Don't miss out. Today's great episode is brought to you in part by Lifeboat Coffee. 10% of your purchase at LifeboatCoffee.com will go directly to support True Life Fridays. Just remember to name True Life Fridays when you check out on the web. Hi, everybody. I'm John Lillis, founder and president of Lifeboat Coffee, America's pro-life coffee company. We support True Life Fridays, and we hope you will, too. True Life Fridays will be right back. Don't go away. Live Fridays Radio. I'm your host, Letitia Wong, and I am on the air with my co-host, Melissa, and we have with us a special guest. Um, His name is Frank Thomas, and he has an incredible story of triumph and grace over a troubled youth. And this is True Life Fridays, and I will tell everybody on my program here why it is important that I felt um, to ask Frank on this program. So a little background, um, he has a video, which I am disappointed I really can't play on the air because there is no audio except for some music in the background. Um, but the story tells about, in words, like a uh, uh, paper on the screen, of his journey from having a troubled youth um, in a family with drug problems to triumphing, uh, triumphant, uh, let me speak today, um, of co- overcoming a lot of difficult obstacles that actually is very common here in the United States. And I wanted Frank to come on this program to show us just what it is that his, where his journey had taken him, where he is now, and really just kind of give us a message for the vast majority of Americans who find themselves in situations not too different from his, In particular, the light of Baltimore and Ferguson, and, you know, here I live in a big city right near Ferguson, and to to speak about kind of the hope and the what needs to be done, what needs to be done, what needs to happen inside, in heart of the individual uh, to make it out on the other side to see the light rather than to continue um, in the past. 
And so, you know, we've kind of tread over this ground a lot, but I want to introduce Frank. Frank, welcome to the show. Please, um, start at the beginning. Tell us a little bit about how you came to make a video and what the video actually says. So welcome to the program. Well, good evening. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, Pleasure to have you. The vid- Thank you so much. The, the, the video came about... Uh, as a means of me releasing my story to the world. Uh, I actually made the video uh, over a year ago and, you know, didn't release it on a, on a large scale. Um, you know, I actually did it as a means of, of telling the people who I knew close, and when I say close people, I used to work with uh, friends uh, who never really knew my story. They knew me, but they didn't know my story. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, that was a means of me beginning to get the story out. Um, it, it, it's a story where I, I talk about how I was born to, to kids, to 16-year-old kids. Uh, they were two kids, two kids by the time they were 18 years old. Um, mm-hmm. And as you can imagine, you don't, I don't have to get into, you know, uh, a narrative about what, how difficult that is, especially if, you know, there's no support. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so I struggled as a youth. Um, on some level, I didn't even know uh, that, it, that we were struggling because, because when you're born, you're given a story, and that story is the story of your parents, and, and you live it out unconsciously. You, you, you don't even know there's really a difference until you start to get a little bit older and your eyes are opened up and you see there's differences between you and your, you know, kids that you go to school with. Uh, they have two parents in the home, you have one, um, you know, just things like that. You're different, maybe a different race or a different gender, and, and, and you're beginning to understand what those things mean. Well, for me, um, it was, I remember going to visit my father in prison. Um, you know, those types of things began to, to, to come into my consciousness. And, and so we struggled. My mother mm-hmm. struggled to, to care for my brother and I, and uh, there just was a period of time where the struggle, she had been struggling for so long that that she fell into a depression and she basically checked out of life. And here my young brother and I are, you know, we're we're young, so we don't we don't know what depression is really. Um, we just know that hey, we're we're kids and we want to play and we we need to eat and we need clothes and and some of the basic necessities in life were not there. And we, um, we just did the best we could, you know, and forced to raise ourselves on some level. Well, as I got older into my, my teenage years, uh, I learned about work ethic. I had a job from the time I was 11 years old. I had an uncle who owned a business, and he gave me a job, and I learned about work ethic. As a matter of fact, he paid me an hourly rate at 11 years old, and I remember when I found out about overtime, getting paid overtime for over 40 hours in a week, I used to try to make a million dollars every single day because I <laughs> believed that money was our problem. And, right. uh, and so, you know, it turned into I left home at 16 because, you know, my mother had come to rely on me as a source of income, and, and I just didn't think it was fair. Um, and, you know, I lived with, uh, with friends Somehow I graduated from high school. I don't know how. Uh, I ended up going to college for one year at the University of Wyoming, 
and I drank myself out of there. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I was on the same path that, that my mother was on. Um, my mother was, a, was an alcoholic, and, and, you know, I got away. For the first time in my life, I was, I was free. I mean, I didn't have the same burdens that I had to carry. Well, there's an old saying that wherever, I, wherever you go, there you are. I didn't mm-hmm. even realize I was dysfunctional, uh, honestly, uh, because you just, you just don't know. You just know that, hey, life is hard and, and you're trying to make it better. But, um, you know, yeah. I, I, I came back mm-hmm. after one year uh, on academic mm-hmm. uh, probation, had to come back to the place that I was trying to run from, my mother's, because mm-hmm. I, I didn't have anywhere else to go. Well, by this time she was dealing drugs and and I, I really wanted to get out of there, but had no money, mm-hmm. and uh, I did the unthinkable. The unthinkable was that I started selling drugs. Um, three weeks into it, I was arrested. I ended up mm-hmm. pleading guilty to a, yeah. to a felony conviction, and uh, and I, I left my family and moved to Southern California. Well, I came back to visit because I had to appear at a deposition because I was in a car accident. There was an ongoing litigation uh, and so I came back, and during a visit, I um, I was caught in a raid. Well, I had allowed my mother to borrow my car, and she had locked some drugs in the, the glove box because uh, my mother and father, who were together at that time, uh, he was he was a, a crackhead. And so if she would leave anything, any drugs or money in the house, as soon as she would leave, he would scour the place. And he had done it before and taken everything, all of her drugs and money, and, and been gone for days, binging. And so she hid them in my glove box, thinking that, you know, they would be safe until she got back. Well, there just so happened to be a, 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 a raid on the house. And they found the drugs in my car. Mm. I was arrested for it, and my mother said, not a thing. I, I was forced to I was forced to take the blame and... and left to fight for my own life, facing 60 years in prison. So, that, I mean, that's the, uh, that's the, 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 the come to the Lord part. I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen the, the show Sanford and Son, but there was uh, an older lady, uh, uh, Fred Sanford, his, uh, his deceased uh, wife's uh, sister, and she, she was a Christian, and she used to walk around with her Bible, and she used to always say, hey, the truth will set you free. That's all I knew. That's all I knew from the Bible. The truth will set me free. And I, I literally, I prayed on that. I, I, I just, I stood on that. I began to read my Bible while I was locked up. I was locked up for 123 days, uh, waiting, awaiting trial, and um and that's when I, I got saved. There was a, uh, a man in there who happened to be uh, a preacher's kid. He grew up, you know, the son of a minister. And uh, he saw me reading the Bible one day, and he asked me, you know, do, uh, have I ever accepted Christ as my personal Lord and Savior? And I said, well, what do you mean? I, I, believe, in, I believe in God. I believe that Jesus, you know, you know is, is God's son. He said, but have you ever accepted him as your personal Lord and Savior? And he led me in the sinner's prayer that day. And that was the day I got saved. And, but I knew, I just knew that I was going to be set free. Well, I had to go through this thing called a trial. 
and I was in a trial that was uh, a five-day trial, and, uh, you know, I had to, to, to deal with the, the charges. Well, thank God I was found not guilty on all three counts, and that was the, the catalyst for me to um, begin a new life. I became, I was a new creation. As a matter of fact, when I was locked up, you know, the sad part is there was a part of me that didn't even want to get out. As much as I wanted to get out, there was a part of me that didn't want to get out because because once I found the Lord and I just began to take all my 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 worries to him, I for the first time in my life I, I got this sense of peace. Like I I had never felt peace like that before. And so and and, and all my needs were taken care of, you know, believe it or not. I mean, it's like, you know, I didn't have to worry about how in the world am I going to feed myself? How am I going to, you know, put shelter, you know, or have mm. a shelter for myself? But, um, but I knew I had a greater destiny too. And I remember praying, Lord, Lord, if you just, if you, if you help them see the truth, Lord, you'll never have to worry about me ever again. Mm. Um, the Lord put in me at that point in time that, um, that uh, that I was going to write a book and tell my story. And I remember fighting with, with God, haggling with him, saying, Lord, no one's going to listen to me. I'm just a 19-year-old kid who, you know, who's a convicted felon, who um, has no direction, has no support. No one's going to listen to me. I need to, I need to do something with my life. I need to make money because if I make money, people will listen to me. They listen to Bill Gates. If, if he walked in the room, you could hear a pin drop. And, and the Lord was telling me, "You write this story." And I was, I was like, "I got, I got to do something significant first. So I felt like the Lord. In hindsight, I felt like the Lord just He let me go, and He let me pursue what I thought was going to pacify my insecurities uh, that come from a poverty-stricken youth. And I ended up going to college. I graduated from college, token a convicted felon. Um, I was actually the student commencement speaker at my college graduation at the University of Southern California in Los Angeles. I uh, went on to work. I was hired by Deloitte & Touche, which now is the, the largest professional uh, services firm in the world, and uh, became a CTA. And, you know, went on to become a, a, an executive for a Fortune 500 company. And, you know, wow, I, I congratulations. Yeah, thank you. I mean, it's all by the grace of God, no doubt. Amen. Because without without the Lord capturing my heart and helping me see and understand that I was greater than my circumstances, I would have never I would have never had the faith to even to, to even rise and to to go forward. Um, because because as a convicted felon, people tell you that your life is over. Well, I always say just because you make a mistake doesn't mean life is over. It's not over. No. You you no. still got to live. Um, I know yeah. it's harder, but but you still have to live. And and I just I was I was focused. I was on a mission. There, I wasn't taking no for an answer. Was was really yeah. my mentality. I wasn't asking anybody for a job. I was I was taking a job. You you mm-hmm. couldn't deny me when you look me in my face. You have to give me a job because because I'm I'm doing everything plus some you know, in order to, you know, to take the redemption uh, through Christ 
and and to apply it through, you know, sweat, blood, tears. I tell people I cried many a tears. People don't even begin to understand the number of tears I cried just to stand in this moment right here to tell this mm. story. I cried. Sometimes I still cry because because I know I have a destiny, a destiny that is that is far beyond any label or, or title that someone can place on me. Um, and I think one of the things that I think is really important for the listeners to understand is, is this, is that um, when I was 19 and I was convicted of a felony, I, I, I didn't view myself as a criminal. I made mm. a mistake, yes. And, you know, there are consequences for the choices we make. Um, and, and people need to understand that. If you make good choices, good consequences are the result. If you make bad choices, bad consequences are the result. But I knew, I knew that that did not define me. And I, and I just refused to let anybody tell me that it did. Look, are there people who didn't, who, who didn't and who still don't, um, you know, you know, accept it? Obviously, that's, People want to put labels on you because it's easy to, to tell uh, about who you are if there's a label because it doesn't require that we take the time to get to know you or understand your story. Um, right. But the, but the reality is this. We are all, we are all in control of the, the choices and decisions that we make, and, and mm-hmm. we, must, we must choose wisely. And your perception of yourself is going to dictate to a large degree, where you where you go, what you do, and and how you do it. Mm, exactly. Very nice. Yes. Choices um, and decisions is what I'm hearing from you. Say that again. I said choices and decisions mm-hmm. is what I'm hearing from you. Mhm. Yeah, you know, people say that you know you're a product of your environment. I don't. I don't really agree with that. I, I agree that our environment can influence us, but people are products mm-hmm. of their beliefs. They're products of their mm. decisions, their right. choices. Right. I'm no different. I, I grew up in poverty, and you know what? And I, and and I allowed that poverty to give me a poverty mindset on some level until until I got saved and I began to understand my identity in Christ. I wasn't. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm who He says I am. I'm not who. You know, John down the street says I am. I'm who Christ says yeah. I am. I'm re- I'm redeemed. Um, right. And, and, and to clarify, and just to clarify, you're not saying that because you're in Christ that you're going to be a millionaire, a billionaire. You're just saying that because you're in Christ, you are not bound to to failure, to to sin, and to <clears throat> that life of of lawlessness and criminal activity that you can actually rise above that and do something better with your life. It doesn't mean that you're a millionaire at the end of the day, but it means That's that true. you're a better person because you're not you're not destructing your community and you're rising above that and you're helping people and loving people. Yes, that that that's 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 correct and that that's why I do what I do because because I know what it's like to be that young man. As a matter of fact, if you read in my book in the introduction, I, I ran a nonprofit organization uh, for at-risk youth and families. And, you know, until that point, I was, I was, I, my mouth was shut. My past was my past, and I wasn't really going to that place unless I had to. 
But but when I looked into the eyes of these young boys and girls, I realized mm-hmm. this story is bigger than me. It's bigger mm-hmm. than me. I got to share mm-hmm. this story. And, mm-hmm. and, and that's when, you know, the book thing kind of, it's always been there, but it's, that's mm-hmm. when it really hit me when I knew that the Lord had had. I thought I was going there to help this organization. Um, that organization helped me. It helped save my life because mm-hmm. now I'm, I'm I'm walking with purpose again. See, I thought it was all about money and making money, and and you it know, and I made more money than I ever could dream of. Dollars, money. Nope. I <laughs> it's not about money. I I believe that that that. You know, money is a is a natural byproduct of of doing what you're called to do, being passionate mm-hmm. about something, and 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 doing it with excellence. If you if you do something that you are created to do, your pur it's your purpose, you're you're passionate about it, and you and you're excellent at it. You you money can't evade you. It'll find you. Mm-hmm. It will find you. So so and your book. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't mean to, to uh, cut you off, but I wanted you to make that point um, as you answer uh, the next questions that I have. Your book is called Rise, and the full title is? Even Death Can't Stop Me. Rise, Even Death Can't Stop Me. Right. There's so, a... Yes. So tell us what what a little bit about the book. Kind of do a little book plug for us. And, okay. and and go ahead and finish your point because I want you to especially talk about how how this how your mindset today is different um, because we like I'm not saying that you're not special because you, you certainly are but your situation mm-hmm. is not unique we have scores and scores and hundreds and thousands of young men like you that don't do grow up and they do have a mindset that the world has been unfair to them. Somebody's been unfair to them. The the key to their escaping their, um, their bad situation is money by any means possible and not always the right means. Um, I want you to talk about your, what you know now um, in relation to that, you know, and, and the reason you wrote the book. Well, I, I wrote the book because, because the story itself is bigger than me. It's it's not even about it's not even about um, you know doing the right thing or doing the wrong thing. The the, the book is about shame. It's about mm-hmm. fear. It's about abandonment. It's about betrayal. It's about all it's about all those things that every one of us have have experienced. We all yeah. experience those yeah. things. You know, but it's it's about it's also about choices. And and it's about understanding that all those things are going to happen to you. If you're here long enough, all those things are going to happen to you. Mm-hmm. How are you going to respond to them? How are you going to understand to to uh, to how to get beyond them? And and part of it is for me, it was understanding my identity in Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, Rise is an acronym that stands for righteously inspired, supernaturally elevated, like. When I was down to nothing, the Lord captured my heart, changed the way I think, and, and, and elevated me, took me to places as long as I was willing to do all the right things, as long as I was willing to accept that I'm the righteousness of Christ, that the mm. Lord, he used me. He used me, and, and he's still using me. And I know more today than I've ever known, and I'm like, I'm on fire. 
I'm on fire because I know that I have a message. I have a message that I believe can change the world. It can change the way people think, which changes the world. Amen, that's all. That's all it takes is a shift in your mindset. It's not about what's happening to you. It's not what people are doing to you or what they're not doing to you. It's, it's what you're not doing. You've got to mm. shift your mind. You've got to see things from the, from the right, from the right you know, perspective because, because you know, if you really think about life from a, from a scientific perspective, you, know, you can only see 4% of the universe. Only 4% of the universe is, 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 is actual visible matter. 96% of our entire universe is, is, is dark. We, we don't even know where, what it is or what's out there. Yet, mm-hmm. if you walk by sight, you're, only, you're making choices based on 4% of the available information. You've got to have vision for your life. You've got to know, right. you know what you want out of life, and you've got to be willing to, 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 to look like a fool at times because you're working so hard. You believe so much in, in who you've been created to be that you'll, you'll, you'll put yourself in situations where people might ridicule you and say, man, you work in that $3 an hour job or whatever the minimum mm-hmm. wage is today, and, and you could be out here with us making big money. you got to mm-hmm. know who you are. you got to know what you're created for, and you got to be willing to, to pay the price. And I'll, I'll, just a prime example, I just, and I share this with, with young people all the time because it's, it's about maintaining your your discipline, maintaining your power. You know, when I was a teenager, there's peer pressure. And I remember being pressured to smoke weed, marijuana, and, mm-hmm. and I, I've never tried drugs in my life. I, I sold them, but I never ingested a drug in my life because I saw what it did to the people around me. I wanted nothing like that on me. And I, 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 that peer pressure, you know, I always said no, and I got called names, and I got mm. teased. And I and I wanted to I wanted to lash out, but I but I but I maintained myself underneath. I was firing mad. I wanted to I wanted to fight. I wanted to scream. I wanted to shout, but I but I maintained myself. I, I looked cool on the outside, and I made it seem like it, as though it didn't bother me. And and by not responding, I won. I won, and 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 they knew I won, and they knew that I knew that they knew I won. And and that has got to be enough sometimes. That's got to be enough sometimes. You've got to know that you won by not responding in the wrong way. You've got to know, even if you turn around and get away and you start to cry, because there were many times when I did that, when I just wanted to, to unleash all the anger and the frustration that I had of being in poverty and, and feeling like nobody was for me. But right. you've got to know you're for yourself. God is for you, and that's enough. You and God make a majority. You can overcome anything. Amen. And you got to know that. Wow, that is such a powerful message, and it's so needed. And, you know, in the context of, of what we have talked about on this program, you know, the affirmation of life and the affirmation that every life matters. You know, when you, I, I'm re- just reflecting on the things that we talk about, and especially, you know, I go to a church that talks about these things uh, frequently, and mm-hmm. the, the desire, the desire, you know, there's there's a lot of things I could criticize about my, the people that I go to church with, but the one thing that I I I can feel uh, very in solidarity with them is is the huge desire 
to reach down into um, these issues that we see, uh, the, the discontent and the, and the the protests and the rioting and the looting, and and see that yes, people are 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 acting out because they are not happy with. Yeah, you know, for whatever reason, I'm not saying that everything is legitimate or illegitimate. I'm saying for what for their reason and the common denominator is is that they do live in in that mindset, what you call the poverty mindset, and a lot of it is yeah. victim mentality, but a lot of it is is legitimate. You know, they haven't been treated well. It with you know among their own people, among their own family members. That's what I mean. So nobody come mm-hmm. after me for that. <laughs> Among right. their, their own community, they haven't been treated well, and then they kind of project that, and, and other people may not treat them well. And so I think it's the, the opportunity presented itself as it does every so often, where it it culminates into destruction. But we see mm-hmm. the sense of it is this this I mean, and just to give it its due credit is an emotional, spiritual problem. A, burden, a sadness, a lostness, um, a wound that we as Christians say Jesus needs to be the beginning of that healing and mm-hmm. needs to be, uh, I would say, the beginning and the end, you know, way at the very end. Um, but, you know, what I kind of, as, as a person sitting here where I am, want to express is almost politically incorrect choices that have to be made. Um, and mm-hmm. and in decisions and the will to be to step back and say what am I acting out of out of emotion out of anger and right. is it directed is it is it really supposed to be directed at this what people tell me is the white the white structure of society or whatever you want to call it am I supposed to be angry at them is that fair shouldn't I deal with this in a real way for me. And so, you know, what I'm saying is the church that I go to wants to handle the core issue on an individual level, acknowledging the pain. Um, but for me as well, I want to acknowledge where it ought to be put and not on this, this uh, artificial society made me do it type of thing. I want to know how is it as a Christian, as a pro-life individual, as a person who's deeply concerned about um, this segment of American society, how do we begin dismantling the pain, dealing with it, you know, preaching Christ into it, uh, outside of this kind of this shell that has built itself and saying, you know, I don't want to hear that. And how do we do that? And not yeah. just reacting to individual instances, but actually thinking about where we are and where where we came from. Exactly. And, and I mean, how far we've come and why are we where we are in light of where we came from. I mean, I'm, I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed in our communities. And so... I mean, I'm I'm open to hearing your thoughts. Right, right. We are more. We are far more. We have far more in common than we have not in common. We are. Yeah. How, do we, how do we deal with this? What I would say, and and the thing is, and, and division. I, the interesting thing, Lucius and I, 
she's an Asian American. I'm a black American. So there's no, <laughs> we don't have any, you know, reason to, to um, we have no uh, food and battle. But we just we want to know why are people so angry. And I, I've dealt with, I, I, I grew up in a single parent home with a um, drug addict father, you know. And I, I grew up in that. I'm, just, I'm trying to understand, but I'm not angry at white people. I don't want to go tear stuff up. I don't want to go knock stuff down or burn anything down. I have no desire to do that. Um, I'm just trying to understand why we are where we are and what we can do to further discussion. Well, I, you know, it's my belief that it won't change until there's more love in our in our world. Um, until until we as adults. Go back to these cities. I don't care what color you are, and and we mm-hmm. and we 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 show love to people who are missing the basic necessities in life. Um, we are walking with them in this journey. Um, you know, it's 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 the adults' responsibility to to make that change. Kids are kids are they're irrational. The human mm-hmm. brain isn't fully developed until you're 25 right. years old. We, we, we expect kids to make decisions about their lives, you know, at 16, 17, 18, um, you know, that, that they're not even capable of making. They're well, not let me, capable let me of ask making. you this. I'm, not, I'm not, not trying to cut you off, but so does that mean that we, because our kids are irrational, and, and I agree with everything you're saying, so do we need to come, others of us need to come to the community and just love on them? And show them love and support. Is that what is needed to to, to solve this? I'll, I'll tell you something. When I went to bed hungry, you know, at night because because I didn't have parents who were capable of of, of providing for me, I didn't feel the love. I didn't feel mm-hmm. the love. And 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 then when you you put a young person in that situation, it's irrational. They don't look. They got so many. They're not capable yet. We're capable. Adults, we're capable. We're the ones who have to steward their young lives. We're the ones who have to provide for them. Um, and I just think that we've gotten away from that. Um, and, yeah. and, and then you, the people who are the most dysfunctional are the ones who have the voice in our society. They're the mm-hmm. ones who are... You know, singing the songs and you know, and and the movies and and it's like it's out of control. I, we don't even let our kids watch TV. Mm. It's, it, I mean, that's just personal. My kids are homeschooled. I, that's just a personal choice that my wife and I have made. Um, because, right. Because we are stewarding their lives. Our family, yeah. Right. Wow, that is that, that is an amazingly good um, message and good word. You know, I'm learning a lot, and and that is the point. That is the point. You know, first and foremost, Letitia has to learn a lot. Here, um, <laughs> me and, too, Melissa too. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and so you know, I, I what I hear you saying is that we need more human investment, not just money. You know, you you had said I think very poignantly that money is not the solution to um, <clears throat> poverty. Poverty is not and, just lack of money. I think that we, that's we understand thing, that very that's clearly. The thing, um, that's, that's the thing with big government, is it's just like money. 
put more money to do this, and then you never know where it even goes, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but well, it's money isn't going to give a child it, it, who doesn't it, it, have his father it, back. It's no. humans. It's individuals. Humans loving right. humans and pouring into human individuals. That is what we need, and that is what I want our fellow Americans to know, that that is what we need. Instead of just sitting back and just being critical um, and then or, or either being either over-apathetic, you know, you have those crowds too who don't pour in, but they're over-apathetic, they don't do anything. Um, we need human individuals to love on these children who don't have who don't have anyone. Yeah, yeah. I I agree. Uh-huh. Go ahead. I was just gonna say it's 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 really it's really important that um, look the in the 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 last sentence of of uh, the introduction of my book I I, I state that the the world is is looking for leadership and no one's coming. It's mm-hmm. you and Christ Jesus, and now it's time to rise. We have to rise. We have no, to. No, one's, no one's coming. No one's coming. No one's coming. To, okay. It's you and me. The person who's coming is the one that, that that reflects in the mirror. That's the one. We have to to hold our church uh, leaders accountable and our leaders our, our political leaders accountable and whoever is in charge accountable. We have to mm-hmm. do that. This is the day and the time for that. We cannot. Our kids are are waiting on that. Right. So I'm so glad you put your thoughts and your story into a a a book. Um, and where can people find your book? Well, you can find it on my website, which is thefrankthomasstory.com. It's also available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, Books a Million, and my publisher website mascotbooks.com awesome um our time is drawing to close we actually have gone over quite a bit and i but i have learned so much and i appreciate you coming on the air i tell each and every one of our guests and i mean this sincerely please do come back on our program uh in the future you are more than welcome to i thank you so much for being here and sharing uh just just I can feel your heart in this, and I hope you felt both Melissa's and mine because that's what this the show is. You know, we put a lot yeah. of us into this to be uh, real. Yeah, um, we may want to make this a hundred percent real <laughs> for all. Yeah, it's totally real. <laughs> well, thank so, you both for having me. God bless you, Frank. God, God bless you. you. Our pleasure. You and, guys too, yes. and I, I definitely will be on in the future. I, I, I've got a lot to say. Let me tell you. All right, we'll have you there definitely. Not long from now, then. Very soon. <laughs> you love, yeah. Want to hear it? <laughs> awesome. Wonderful. Well, we need to we need to get to our 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 next segment. Thank you so much for coming on our show, and have a great evening. And I know you have a speaking engagement, so we're going to let you go. Thank you so much. Have a good evening. All right, Frank. Last time for you, brother. Oh, definitely. I, you know, I, 
there there is so much that I leave unsaid about this issue and uh but I you know I thank God for for all of my experiences even though the one even the ones that I'm currently going through that aren't very comfortable for me right now um and that is you know I'm learning how this is probably the question that is on everybody's mind. What is the solution? What do we do? It is without it, trying to diminish uh, the role of responsibility, personal responsibility. Exactly. There's not. That's the problem. There's no a solution, and I think mm-hmm. people are like looking for a solution, and there's not one. Right. Um. And and I. I just, you know, we we all come from very different backgrounds. But, you know, Thomas also, I know he's listening, but he's told his story before. He did not come from a a background with sunshine and roses either. You know, and I could stretch stretch the truth a little bit and and tell you how awful my history was. But, you know, it's not quite as awful as other people's. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Gosh. God has blessed me in a in a unique situation with uh, a lot of things that I that actually you can put on a sh- TV program and laugh about called Fresh Off the Boat, and which, uh, you know what I I asked I asked Conway because I we started watching a couple episodes of Fresh Off the Boat, and we were like, would people who are not Asian, not Chinese in particular, find this show funny? Because we find it as funny as anything that we've ever seen. Uh, <laughs> absurd. Actually, it's absurdly funny uh, and a little profane, but <laughs> uh, we're asking ourselves, would anybody understand this humor? And we're like, I don't know that they would because <laughs> kind of have to be, have to grow up in a very, this, this uniquely Asian home in order to get the inside <laughs> joke. Uh, but mm-hmm. a great attempt, great attempt. It is, it is hilariously funny. Um, but you know, I have been blessed in my life a lot more than it, materially than other people, and my struggle is to have that balance. You between, are, you know, I, 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 hey, hold up. I'll say this about this woman, Letitia. She is amazing. <laughs> um, <laughs> she and her husband have poured into my life and my husband's life, and they have. Um, Towards the other side, and they they care about truth, and they have dedicated their life to that, and it's not been easy for them with two children, <laughs> but they've done that, and they have. I don't know how I I don't know how they've done it because <laughs> I have one look. I have a two year old. We have one, and I'm trying to figure out how they do that with two small children. Oh, honey, we can go all day. But they today. But they managed to do that, and um, I'm like, in, I'm, I'm like in admiration of you guys because oh, I goodness. haven't been able to do that yet. So you, you make you're making me want to hide under the table because there's nothing to admire. <laughs> I just well, I, I, Let me tell you. I'm Let me tell saying, you. You guys have you guys have really been you and Con. Her, her husband Conway has been such a support, and um, you guys pray for their family because um, I don't know how they managed to do all the things that they've been able to do with um, the resources, <laughs> but they managed to do it. <laughs> yeah. 
We we I let me uh, honestly I do a whole lot less than what you're saying that I do. <laughs> Whatever. You do a lot. So stop. Oh, okay. So since we're praising each other, I, ladies and gentlemen, I do not know how Melissa does everything that she does. I if I even tried half, I think I would I would never sleep. I don't know how you get to sleep because there aren't enough hours of the day. I think some there's got to be some time machine that you have at your house that allows you to put in two days worth of work into one day because I do, I do I not know. I do have a time machine secret, a secret though, so I can't. I'm not going to give that to you, so or anyone else. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I would love to add another 24 hours to each day so that I can get the things I'd like to get done uh, and have a full night's rest. Um, but, yeah, so everybody that I've ever talked to, Melissa, says, I don't know how she does what she does. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I don't know how she keeps going. So, but, um, no, God, the Lord Jesus is our sustainer in him. Amen. Does it? And um, I can't object to that. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. We are all living by by the invisible yet insanely strong strings of grace, just hanging us up and you know pulling us up onto our feet. Because let me tell you, I you know left to my natural self, I'm lazy. I am so lazy. <laughs> Yep. Yep. I am me too. So, um, <laughs> just pray for the Lord um, to um, change. I'm, I'm excited for the show, though. I'm excited. Yeah. Now that um, I am, I'm excited yeah. to see what we can do. We can do all kinds of stuff. Absolutely. Um, in our in our last very last segment, I I have to confess I didn't I wasn't able to get the clip for our stupidest thing ever. Uh, we're going to we're going to bridge that with next week. Um, but I wanted to play okay. a, a rather it's it's a two it's almost a three minute clip of something that we want to talk about. I wanted to cap it off with our stupidest thing ever that is related to that. I'm just going to talk about it instead, and you'll hear the audio next week when when I actually get it because it didn't work for me today Ah, technology but um our next topic um is something that is also in the news if you have listened to the fact that we are down two jihadis in america today i think and people are going to totally give me hate mail about this i think that's a good thing Watch the pro-life host say, it's a good thing we are down to jihadis. Why do I say that? Because eventually those two jihadis would have taken out a school bus, a shopping mall, a, um, a grocery store, or they would have broken into a home full of uh, people that didn't deserve to die and killed them. They would have killed more than two people, and they were killed this week in the commission of a crime attempting to kill others. Now, mm. I am a big supporter of people who, who live by the sword in this way, live by murder, uh, end up being taken out by the grace of God. They are taken out so they do not cause innocent lives to be lost. 
And the entire controversy that I've seen so far on the Internet, Internet and television and news stories is how the people that were the actual victims were the perpetrators. Here is Pamela Geller, who was the the originator. She's the she's the she ran the Draw Muhammad cartoon whatever event, which elicited unintentionally, but it did nevertheless. These two jihadis to come out and try to murder her and everybody else in the room, and subsequently they were taken out. I heard there was an innocent person that was. Uh, injured or killed i'm not i'm not 100 percent sure about that in the process we're going to get to that commentary in just a minute let me play this clip and then we'll talk about it whether whether you like what pam geller the the content she had or not to me should be irrelevant i hope you're not one of those i support free speech but liberals out there because i'm hearing a lot of buts we're talking about people that want to kill people over a cartoon which in this country is absurd uh, where do you stand on this? Where do you stand on the FBI being, you know, missing in action? Well, look, I don't have any question in my mind. I'm someone who's been punished for speaking out. Right. Of what and I, I defended thought, you. You know, you know, I appreciate it, Sean. So <laughs> I, I don't have any question. I think a lot of it is distraction. I mean, journalists, legitimate journalists cannot function. Uh, even people who are satirical, like Charlie Hebdo, in a world in which you are threatened uh, with death for what you have to say. I will say this, though. I think if we want to have a serious conversation here about Ms. Geller, that she's like a pyromaniac who goes before the judge and says, oh, yeah, we're setting those fires just to see how fast the whoa, whoa. fire department so you're, could you're respond. You're taking the, well, she dressed provocatively, therefore she no, put I'm herself not. in position. Uh, a position. No, no, no. Yeah, you she are. It's the same quite, thing, Juan. No, I'm not. You don't Hold blame on, the victim Sean. of a, of a I'm attempted not blaming assassination. The there is... Sean, the victim is dead. In fact, the victim is the person who was trying to protect this event that Pam Geller put on quite intentionally. She intentionally was provocative in her actions. Uh, and, you know, it's, You're it's saying quite don't, different. Don't offend saying, the sensibilities the of those me, that don't on. like cartoons. Don't offend the people let that don't finish, like a cartoon. Let me finish this point. I think, no, there's a woman up in Seattle, Molly Norris. She's a political cartoonist. She was threatened. She's now in hiding FBI protection. Why? Because the terrorists, the Muslims, have gone after her, the Islamists. Well, wait a minute. You know, you think about somebody like yeah, Solomon Rushdie. The- he, was a, he was doing literature. Pam Geller was doing nothing but intentionally trying to provoke this reaction. Let me see. Molly Norris had a Draw the Muhammad contest. What's the difference? Incendiary? I'm she inc- was doing political me, I cartoons. I did not interrupt your ridiculous remarks. You asked the You're question, going to let Pam. Me speak, sir. Incendiary? You know what is incendiary? The, the Jordanian pilot who was set on fire. That's incendiary. The idea that I'm provocative? No, murdering cartoonists is provocative. I held many free speech conferences. On the anniversary, on 2012, I held, held a free speech conference with Laws Vilks, the cartoonists. We weren't attacked because they're emboldened now. They're stronger now. What I find galling is that my motives are continually questioned by the media, not the jihadist motive. Exactly. And so, so the whole, the whole, why I let that play so long is to give the correct context. So far, the Pamela Geller has been taking it on the chin 
with every liberal media pundit in existence, blaming her for this event. When just a few months ago, when Charlie Hebdo in France had a cartoon because Charlie Hebdo happened to be a left-wing satirist, everybody was like, I am Charlie, I am Charlie, ooh, bad ISIS, bad, bad jihadis. Here, it's don't blame the jihadis. This is another case of huge hypocritical double standard from the voices on the left. And Juan Williams, who has gone through this himself, should know better than to, I'm not victim-blaming, victim-blaming. Victim-shaming is what's going on here. And I don't, what I haven't heard so far in the liberal media, television, is the point that's made is that not, not, this is America, we can do this here. We have free speech. It's not simply about free speech. This is about, like we talk about a lot of things, personal responsibility. Pamela Geller put together a contest. She has the ability and the right to do that within privacy of her own domain. She paid for the event. She had invited the guests. The jihadis were not on the guest list. (laughs) She she had uh, everybody who was participating in this was there out of their own uh, will and free will, and that's what they were there for. This is a private okay. event, and no matter what the subject matter was, it doesn't matter what they were doing there. Did they deserve to have people to come and attack them for what they were doing? No. Absolutely not. We have far worse things happening in private all over this country as we speak. Patricia, I will tell you this. David and I attended a um, ReasonCon Atheist Conference last yeah. weekend, okay? Listen, I, I will tell you the content of what we heard. F Christianity, F Christian, F Jesus. Jesus never existed. I will S on Jesus. This is what we listen to over. Jesus is a pervert. Your Bible is um, a a book of uh, profanities and, and perversion. Okay? Mm-hmm. I listened to that over and over and over last Saturday. Did I pull a gun out and start shooting people? No! I listened, and then what? I, what did I do afterwards? I talked to the people who were saying these things to have some dialogue. I ne- it never once crossed my mind to pull a gun out and start shooting people. So I, I, there, there is definitely a distinction. I understand that it was very provocative of what the, the Giller, what Pamela Giller did, but there is a. a but There's a definite like, distinction of what Islamic, what what it looks like in Sharia looks like in America, yeah. as opposed to every, every other religion. So, I mean, but, let's be, let's yeah. be real let's, about Let's take that. a second and, and ask what was so freaking provocative about it. What was so provocative about it? They were having a cartoon about who could draw Muhammad in a certain way, and they awarded the winner 
some money. That I, listen, so I promise you, you would not, compared to that, you would be appalled at what we saw at the Reasoncon Atheist Conference of right, what they did right. to Jesus. With, with, with him having homosexual relations, homosexual relations with Jonathan and King David, oh, and oh, it was, it, there was so much that, oh, you'd be, you'd die based yeah, on that, well, you know? But for some reason, Christians can be offended, and you know? we have to stay in our seats. But don't dare offend Muslims, because they'll take out a machine gun and shoot you to pieces. Why? But the thing is, why? I think there's there there's nothing that has been dedicated in the media to talking about why at all. Instead, you know, jihadis are insane. They're religious. Blah blah blah. The reason that they came and they shot up the place or tried to is because supposedly, well, I shouldn't say supposedly. It's actually it is against Sharia law. It is an abomination for Muslims it, to yeah, tolerate. A yeah. a picture of Muhammad because you can't draw his face. You can't talk about him. You can't draw his face. It's against Sharia law, and that's why it's offensive. Mm-hmm. It's offensive yeah, for yeah. other people to draw a picture. Therefore, there is there is this movement to take out machine guns or bolt guns and, and try to shoot people who draw pictures of Muhammad. If people draw pictures of Jesus, and there are a lot of pictures of Jesus, nobody knows what Jesus looks like, but they're going to draw pictures of Jesus. There is no scripture, no law, no nothing in my faith that says I am supposed to be offended by that. There is no law of Jesus are are worth the test penalty. Right. That that it is up to a Christian to maintain a sort of Christian legal imposition on other people and punish them for drawing pictures of Jesus. Right. So what Pamela Geller did is not about rights. It, for me, it's not about rights. It's not about uh, being an American. It is about doing something that has nothing to do with affecting somebody else's mindset so that they felt like they have to kill her. What jihadis do is 100% on them. Pamela Geller did not provoke anybody. She didn't. She just held an event. Who gets provoked is the person who thinks it's wrong. How how can we walk down um, the street and endure these uh, pro-abortion, pro-death, left-wing feminists that walk around – with their shirts off, with their bras off, completely topless, and uh, calling themselves slut-walking, yelling profanities at Christians, yelling and uh, just denouncing Christianity. And we're supposed to walk on by. And we do. We do walk on by. We We don't take offense at that because it's not offensive. Yes. We deal with it because our scriptures tell us to deal with it, that's and right. that that's to be affected. And then you know what? We it doesn't stop our mission, and it doesn't mean that we need to annihilate people, but we spread our our message, and we don't need to to kill anyone in the process. And so yeah. that's why it's 
it's not that. And it's a, it's a fundamental part of Christianity to not punish people for doing something that offends us about our faith, about Jesus Christ. Like, that is teaching It gives us the opportunity to actually express love. Wow. Interesting yeah. phenomenon. Amazing. So where and the media so- has just gone insane with this is that not only are they so hypocritical because if you if we say something if some if Pamela Geller happened to be a raging anti-Christian atheist and had a draw a picture of Jesus in and in, in jars of urine contest and some Christians were to nothing. go there and nothing. take shots at her who's going who is going to be the crazy people in the news story it'll be the Christians <laughs> It's always yeah. the abortion. It's already abortion mill bombers. It's always the abortion clinic bombers. It's never the abortionist. Let me tell you. But when we're talking about Islam, the shoe is on the foot. I charge the media with absolute double standard hypocrisy here. Absolutely, a hundred percent double standard hypocrisy. So I, you know, I don't. I just I didn't want to even talk about rights. I didn't even want to talk about the fact that we're in America. Uh, you know, that's beside the point. Point is, people have to take responsibility for what they do. She did not provoke anybody. She just held a contest. You right. Know, people who are murderers at heart still have the ability to stay in their homes and not go out the door. If you know what I mean. Nobody, yeah. nobody, put themselves in a car. And drove all the way from Phoenix to Texas. I'm ashamed that they're from Phoenix because I'm from Phoenix. But, you know, nobody forced them into the car <laughs> to drive to Pamela Geller's event and put a gun in their hands and, and force them inside to go shooting. Nobody did that. They did that all on their own. Do I care about why, why they did it? No, I don't. I do not care why they did it. That is immaterial. They're murderers at heart. Right. And what they did is 100% on them. Yeah, murder, uh, yeah. If you come somewhere with a machine gun, uh, yeah, you're yeah, not going to be intent with, to kill? You're, you're going to get a, you're not a big hug and a, and a kiss. You're going to get shot. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is what right. happened. Now, to be fair, because I heard Bill O'Reilly talking about this. Oh, look, you know, she put innocent people in harm's way. That There's a point there. There's a point there. To shoot people and to kill people. Lots mm-hmm. of people, actually. You came to kill everyone who was there. Um, yeah. But you got killed um, and you didn't get to, to do harm to other people. So I, I don't know where the, I don't, I'm, I don't know. I don't know where the um, not that we don't grieve for people whose souls are or die, who have died, but um, if you came to kill people and you got killed before you could kill people, then what are what are we supposed to do with that? Right. Well, here's here's the ethic. Here's the ethic that I want people to walk away with. There is only so much control we have. We, I mean, some of us will say you have no control over other people's lives, and that's true. We don't. 
so, I mean, we don't, can't talk about this issue as if, oh, you know, we should do, you know, oh, we need to mourn that two people lost their lives. Okay, boo-hoo. Next. These people were killed, the, the shooters were in, the jihadis were killed in the commission of a crime, a murder. Mm-hmm. That they, their lives ended is a disappointment because, you know, they could stand trial for this. But what could what should people in the way of their bullets do to protect themselves if they need to take the jihadis out to the point that the jihadis die? That is their right to do, to protect their own lives and to protect the lives of pe- the innocent people inside. If, it, if what it takes is for those gunmen to die in order to stop the threat... They have a right to do that. Right. Going back to the point, you know, did Pamela Geller put innocent people in harm's way? I think there might be a point to that. I'm, I'm totally willing to talk about that. I, I think so, too, in that in that sense. I, based on what we know about radical Islamists, you know, mm-hmm. we there's a case for that, you know, that maybe should have been taken into consideration before doing the event, right? You know, right. That there, that is certainly a discussion that needs that that needs to be had there. But however, if we're just if we are simply talking about, oh, you know these these jihadis, we're going to do what they're going to do, and you shouldn't have provoked them. That's completely different. That is completely yeah. different because let, let me yeah. tell you. You know what? From what we know, and what every American needs to know, <clears throat> if you don't realize this about radical Islam, it's not okay that you're not a Muslim to them. <laughs> it doesn't matter right. what you do. If you are not a Muslim, just like them, your life can be snuffed out, no matter what you do. Right. And it's not considered. You're not considered an innocent human being. Anytime a non-Muslim dies at the hands of a Muslim. It's not considered uh, a crime in, in Sharia law. Right. Because there are no innocent non-Muslims in, the, in that mindset, in that worldview. Right. So, I mean, I think it's naive to say, oh, if we just didn't provoke them, then nobody would get killed and la-da-da. You're living in a dream world if you think it, it takes cartoonist to bring out the murderer in some of these Muslims. It takes far less. Right. Yeah, we 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 totally um in America we're we're we totally miss the boat on this issue. We have we're so behind we don't understand it at all. Um, Our media is not helping. Our media is not helping they are not telling the American people the truth. Mhm. And I tell you, you know, before the before we all get killed by the sword, we are killed by the political correctness that allows that sword to be there. <laughs> and people don't need right. to come to grips with that. Mhm. Yeah, we've, so, we there's a lot to come to grips with, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, um in the short time that we have left uh our stupidest thing ever that I'm going to play next week about this issue is uh Donald Trump deciding to call Pamela Geller a oh what did he call her he called her a let me get this up here 
he call he called her an obnoxious blowhard. Now mm-hmm. think about the I that's our stupidest thing ever. I don't have the audio. I could play it over air but it'll it would sound really bad. But he was on the uh he was on the Fox News channel talking with uh one of their hosts, Neil Cavuto, and he's he asked to comment again on Pamela Geller, and he said, oh, she's an obnoxious blowhard. And the irony of it is that I've always thought that Donald Trump was one of the most obnoxious blowhards I've ever seen on television. (laughs) And, in fact, he has made his money on TV shows, you know, that he has been on, his, his own television shows, by being an obnoxious blowhard. He has capitalized on his obnoxious blowhardness. And here he is con- accusing Pamela Geller of being an obnoxious blowhard. Well, you know what? She ought to charge him for every time somebody says that. <laughs> every time somebody plays, you know, especially on this program, if we play Donald Trump. Um, accusing her of being an obnoxious blowhard. Pamela Geller should get $10 for every time somebody says that. She should get a royalty off of any time somebody uses that quotation from Donald Trump because Donald Trump sure has made money off of being an obnoxious blowhard. Why can't she? So um, when we have that clip next week, we're going to play that. Um, that's kind of all the stories that I had planned for today uh, that we uh, actually have enough time for. Come back next week. We're going to have more riveting seat, seat clenching, throat welling up stories for you. Um, <laughs> that'll probably make everybody angry but hey you know we are here to stand up and tell the truth and discuss it this is not mean-spiritedness at all as you can tell it is just bare naked truth and we want to talk about the ethics of things we want to talk about the source of all these things and have a rational civil discussion about our lifestyle and society and that's what, what this is. This is equal time to all the, you know, there's a reason why I have so many stories that are in the pro-life department, uh, which is why, because they're out there. Funny thing is, you know, I'm not allowed to talk about these things um, in church or supposedly polite society. Don't know why. When it's on our news every day, I think I could, I could count at least two dozen stories in, in a week's time that are pro-life in nature that could go on this program easily. It's everywhere, folks. Pro-life issues yeah. are everywhere. We, we're swimming in them. Yeah, but easily. Not, yes, but somehow this is not a topic for polite society to talk about. The, the issue and, of, of life, the issue of life and the right to life, is something that every human being right now should be plugged into, regardless of your race, your sexual identity, we've got to really be plugged into this right now. Mm-hmm. So um, we're going to be back next week with a lot more to talk about, as always. I want to thank my 
my dear co-host who's had a, such a hard day, <laughs> a hard week for trooping and through things with me and hanging in, in there and so that I wouldn't be uh, talking all alone to myself on air today. <laughs> you can talk and, to yourself all day and you'd be fine. So, oh, you know. <laughs> oh, I do talk to myself all day long. That's probably what's wrong with me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, uh, next week, ladies and gentlemen, True Life Fridays Radio, we're going to have Thomas back with us. We're going to have the gang all together, and we would love you to call in and give us your comments. When we open that window up, please stay tuned for next week's show, and we will see you then. Have a good night. God bless, everyone. God bless. There we go. Music, please.